John Adams' Letterson from Podcast for February 1918. This podcast looks at life in World War I through the letters of John Adams, who was 23 when he joined up in September 1914. He served with the 9th Service Battalion Royal Irish Fusiliers and was involved in many significant events on the Western Front, particularly Passchendaele. These are his words, read by his grandchildren and narrated by his great-grandchildren. In this month's letters, we still see John Adams wanting to go to his mother, who is ill, asking for a letter from his mother's doctor to show his commanding officer to gain compassionate leave. In our history section, we hear about how the mail was delivered to and from the Western Front during the First World War. The bulk of this history is taken from an article by Alan Johnson on the BBC, How Did 12 Million Letters Reach World War I Soldiers Each Week? And this is used with very kind permission by Alan himself. We will have a link to this article in our show notes on the website. My name's Mark Adams, and John Adams was my grandfather. The most effective weapon used during World War I wasn't the shell or the tank, it was morale. The British Army believed that it was crucial to an Allied victory, and it looked to the post office for help. The delivery of post was vital for two reasons. Firstly, receiving well wishes and gifts from home was one of the few comforts a soldier had on the Western Front. The majority of them spent more time fighting boredom than they did the enemy, and writing was one of the few hobbies available to them. For some, it was a welcome distraction from the horrors of the trenches. Secondly, letters served a propaganda purpose, as everything that the soldiers sent back was subject to censorship. The British Army claimed this was to prevent the enemy finding out secret information, but really it was to prevent bad news from reaching the home front. Letters from serving soldiers had a powerful role, not just in keeping families informed of the well-being of their loved ones, they also helped to sustain popular support for the war across the home front. Nothing could be allowed to jeopardise that. It only took two days for letters to reach the front. The journey began at a purpose-built sorting depot at Regent's Park. By the war's end, two billion letters and 114 million parcels had passed through it. From there, it was shipped to Le Havre, Boulogne or Calais, where the Royal Engineers Postal Section were tasked with getting it to the battlefields. Staffed by just 250 men in 1914, the RAPS grew to 4,000 by the end of the war. Regimental post orderlies would sort the mail at the roadside and carts would be wheeled to the front line to deliver it to individual soldiers. The objective was to hand out letters from home with the evening meal. It's said that no matter how tired and hungry the soldiers were, they always read the letter before eating the food. With more and more letters being sent to and from the front line, the British Army became increasingly worried about the messages that they contained. It was this worry that led to a huge censorship operation. At the start of the First World War, there was only one person involved in censorship. By November 1918, 5,000 people were involved in that job. In their letters home, the soldiers were forbidden from saying where they were, or from talking about their general condition. Suspected enemy movements, action plans, indeed even a comment as simple as three of my friends have died, wouldn't have made it past the censor. The powers that be were concerned that any bad news would damage morale on the home front. The army believed that if the public understood the true nature of the battlefield, support for the war would simply collapse. Any letters that contained forbidden information were abruptly censored. 
Banned phrases were scribbled out with pencil or coloured pen, whole chunks of the letter were simply torn away. The task of checking letters home fell to the junior officers on the front. Many of them got to know their own soldiers through their letters, discovering their hopes, their dreams and their fears. The letters were often so deeply personal that some junior officers refused to read them, though of course someone else would have to. And once they reached Britain, the letters were reopened and read again, before finally being delivered to the expectant families. We see that John Adams sent many field postcards, as seen this month. These printed cards gave soldiers a number of multiple choice options which they could cross out if they weren't relevant. They were not allowed to write messages on them. Another, more subdued form of censorship was the honour envelope. These required the sender to sign a declaration to say that they hadn't disclosed any forbidden information. That way, their letters would only be read by postal workers on the home front, instead of by their superiors in the trenches. While the field postcard and the honour envelope achieved their purpose, the greatest acts of censorship were actually carried out by the soldiers themselves. Many fighting men were keen to hide the realities of war from their loved ones back at home in their letters, and simply left out much of what they really went through. At its peak, this incredible operation delivered over 12 million letters a week, and one million parcels. Wherever armed forces were engaged, Royal Engineers' postal section would follow, delivering to ships of the Royal Navy anywhere in the world and to soldiers away from the fixed positions at the Western Front. In Gallipoli, more unopened letters from those killed in action were being passed back from the front than letters going forward. The GPO always ensured that returned letters didn't arrive before the official telegram telling the family that their son was dead. There were 30,000 unopened letters every day. Sunday 3rd of February 1918, Field Postcard. I am quite well. I received your letter dated 24th of the 1st, 1918. Letter follows at first opportunity. Monday, 4th February, 1918. My dear Annie, just a few lines hoping this finds you still in good health as it leaves myself at the same at present. I wrote to mother for to ask the doctor to make out a certificate to the effect that she was ill and that she would like to see me. But she wrote back to say that she was all right again, when I know quite well that she is not. Because she is afraid of something happening to me crossing over, and as she would not do it, I want you to do it for me. And if you do not, I shall give up hope. I cannot sleep at night, and to tell you the truth, I am not near at myself, for I am longing to see mother again. And you could do it all inside an hour. I am sure the doctor will not refuse you. I cannot explain this much better. There is an officer in our battalion and he told me today that he should do all in his power to help me, but he told me he could do nothing for me in the way of getting a special leave except I got a telegram or a doctor's certificate. But he told me as soon as I got either that he should do his best to get me home to see mother. He said he was very sorry for me and told me to write to you to get either you or the doctor to send a certificate and that he should do the rest for me. I hope you understand me. All you have to do is go to the doctor and say mother is very ill and wishes to see me and I am sure he shall not refuse you knowing that she is ill. 
put it in a registered letter and send it to me. And if all goes well, as the officer says it will, I shall be home before the end of the month. Well, I think this is all for now. Hoping to hear from you soon. No more at present. Goodbye. I remain your loving brother, Johnny. Monday 4th February 1918 My dear mother, just a line hoping it will find you feeling a little better. I got your letter all right, but I still feel that you're very ill. But I was writing to Annie and I hope she did carry out my instructions and I shall soon have the pleasure of all of you. The weather still keeps quite nice. I am still in the same place so Annie can write to the same address. Well, I think this is all at present. I hope to hear from you soon again. Goodbye, I remain your loving son, John. Tuesday 12th February 1918 Field postcard. I am quite well. I received your letter. Letter follows at first opportunity. Friday, 22nd February 1918. My dear mother, just a few lines to say I received Annie's registered letter all right, but I am very sorry to say that I cannot get it at the present time. But dear mother, if you get any worse, God forbid, let Annie send me a wire and I shall come at once if possible. But I should send it through the police barracks or let them send it for you. But God grant you are a good deal better by this time. If only I had been with the battalion where I am known, I should have got home straight away. But if both of us are spared for a couple of months, I shall be due for my leave. For once the mother goes, the home goes also and each one has to face the world on their own. And I for one know that the world is a hard taskmaster. God pity the boy or girl who is thrown to the world without any experience, for I have seen some little of the world this last few years. Well, dear mother, I think I shall close for this time, hoping this finds you a little better. And if you are not, do not fret what I have told you. It is all I can do, God pity me. Remember me to Annie and Jimmy and give them my love. Goodbye. God bless all at home. Your loving son, Johnny. Thank you for listening to John Adams' Letters from the Front podcast. To find out more about John Adams and his family, visit www.johnadams.org.uk forward slash letters. The history of the 9th Service Battalion, Royal Irish Fusiliers, during World War I is taken from Blacker's Boys. Visit them at www.9thirishfusiliers.co.uk with the number 9. Podcasts will be published 100 years after the letters are written, so will be published nearly every month. If you would like to contact us with comments or reactions, the email address is letters at johnadams.org.uk. This has been a Mark Mess production. Mm-hmm.